Hello, everyone. About to put a wrap on the 2017 high school football season. Kick basketball and other winter sports into high gear. We got a lot to get to on this edition of the podcast. So come on in and join us at Central Region Now, only from the RBA Sports Network. We're glad to have you with us. We've got several areas to talk about, things to address, a big announcement to make, and much more. So let's get started. Hi, friends. Rob with them here. Glad for your uh, uh, time uh, that you've taken the time to download and listen to this edition of the podcast where we look at the week behind us, look at the week ahead of us. Uh, we unveil our latest top 10 uh, basketball polls in a couple of moments. So we have a big broadcast announcement that we just finalized this morning to get to you. And again, this time, last week, we had a podcast Monday instead of Sunday, and it was completely my fault uh, due to having to take care of some family matters with uh, having, what are the odds of having three people in your home, okay? One of them lives here part-time, and two of them end up with pneumonia within 30 days of each other. That's exactly what we've experienced here in Witham Nation in the month of November and early December, uh, and uh, praise the Lord. I've avoided it. we got to make sure that continues to stay that way. We've got way too much coming up with our holiday feast of hoops, and then it'll be calendar year 2018, and we'll start it all over again. So where do we begin? We're going to begin with football. We're going to end the 2017 season in terms of competition. We uh, do have the Big River Rivalry coming up on Saturday, the now fifth annual all-Star Game, which features some of the best seniors from north of the river taking on some of the best seniors south of the river. Game starts at 1 o'clock at Randolph-Macon College uh, in Ashland. All proceeds benefit the Children's Hospital of Richmond at VCU. Uh, It's been a wonderful event the last four years. The North leads the series three wins to one, and we'll see if the South can make it a 3-2 margin on Saturday up in Ashland at beautiful Day Field. Uh, We will have at least one, possibly two reporters there. We actually have a reporter who is going to be embedded with one of the teams. Congratulations to our Sepp Shirey. He was named to the North All-Star Squad, so he is practicing with the North and will play with the North Squad on Saturday. And then hopefully over winter break, he's going to take a little time and just kind of write about his experiences Uh, as a member of the squad there for the Big River Rivalry. So congratulations to Sepp. Congratulations to everyone who made both teams. And the rosters were posted this afternoon at rvasportsnetwork.com. If you want to look at them in advance of Saturday's game, rvasportsnetwork.com. But in terms of lifting trophies and ending the VHSL football season, that came to a close last night as, of course, our podcast delayed to Monday due to us being out of town all day on Sunday, first in Hampton, later in Williamsburg. Uh, three big state championship games. The 804 goes 2-0, and and uh, we'll talk about Highland Springs and Hopewell in a moment. Louisa in the 5-4-0, but we consider Louisa part of our coverage area. Um, what an incredible season and what an effort on, on Sunday night at Zabel Stadium. They're driving midway through the fourth quarter. After being down 28-6, they've made it 28-22, they were getting deep into Salem territory. They faced a fourth down and about four and a half inside the 25. And you know Louisa. Head coach Mark Fisher is going to go for it, number one. And number two, he's going to you know, dance with what brought him to the dance. And 
you know, there was not going to be any fakery or trickery or anything like that. They were going to just put their nose to the grindstone and go for it, get the four and a half yards, move the chain, get in the red zone. Uh, but unfortunately, on the fourth down play, it was exactly a half a yard short of the first down. Salem took over. Now, Louisa needed a quick three and out to get the ball back to get realistically one more chance to win the game. But unfortunately, uh, D'Angelo Ramsey on the first play in the um, ensuing uh, drive for Salem, it ended up being a one-play drive as Ramsey broke a couple of tackles, headed down the right sideline, uh, evaded a couple of more Lion defenders, and went 79 yards for what was essentially the game-clinching touchdown. It made it uh, 36-22. Salem went for two and got it. Uh, to make the uh, lead 14. They later scored kind of a garbage touchdown late. So the final score at 43-22 is in no way indicative uh, of how the game was and how close Louisa came to the perfect season and the state championship. But let me tell you this. I know I know that Lions fans, I pass many of them going up Interstate 64 West coming home last night myself. Uh, I know the team and I know Coach Fisher and his staff, they're all very disappointed that they weren't able to kind of put the cherry on top of this magical season. But I still believe it's one of the most magical seasons we've ever seen in Richmond area high school football. You know, when when you are 15, 16, 17 years old and you are faced with one of your biggest authority figures battling the battle of their life, and he comes to you as a team at the beginning of the season and says, gentlemen, this is going to be my last time around. I'm going to retire after this year. I have another battle that I need to continue to fight. Most teenage-based teams, whatever the sport, whatever the case may be, would try to use it as an emotional rallying cry, and it would work sometimes, and it wouldn't work others. This Louisa team is something special. They never allowed Coach Fisher's battles to affect them negatively. They used it as quiet motivation. And quiet motivation, a lot of times, is what creates major success. If you're very verbiose about the motivation, then sometimes you get too emotional and you can fall flat because you forget what you know what matters when it gets on the field, and that is the X's and O's and executing your blocks and making the plays, etc. But Louisa never did that this entire season. They kept pace with Monaghan, with Dinwiddie, with Eastern View. Week after week after week, we would talk with Mark Davis on the On the Sidelines Wednesday playbook on Facebook Live on NBC 12 and then on Friday nights on Extra after On the Sidelines on TV. And 6-0 and became 7, became 8. They went through the emotional night of having the field at Louisa County High School named after Coach Fisher, went out, won that game. As you know, they finished one of four unbeatens in Region 4B. They beat Cortland in the first round. Second round, they have to go to Monacan, where their season ended a year ago, in the second round. They get down by 21 points, and they come back and get the win, going away late, ending Monacan's season. Then they had to go to Navy Nation and take on the Generals, Dinwiddie, who many thought were going to go back and win finally, for the first time in four years, that Class 4 state title. And they put on a drive for the ages in the fourth quarter to keep Dinwiddie's offense off the field, and Louisa comes away with the win. They get the home game in the state semis, that extra home game on Mark Fisher Field, and they come away with a hard-fought win over Lafayette. So to be 14-0, to make it to the state final, to take on the two-time defending state champion and have them on the ropes with five minutes to go in the game, 
even though you come up a half a yard short and then Salem breaks it open late. What a performance. What a season. And I would put the 2017 Louisa County High School football Lions up as one of the best examples of how a football team should carry itself, should operate itself uh, in recent history here in RBA high school football. Uh, incredible what these young men have battled through with their coach, battled through for their coach, and the lessons that they have learned through their coach in these last 15 weeks. My hat's off to Louisa. They may go down in history as Class 4 state runner-up in 2017, but they are champions in our book. Now let's get to the two teams here in the 804 who got the state finals and got the championship on Sunday. First, Hopewell. Coach Ricky Irby, man, you think about Hopewell. There were two teams that went into the postseason here in the area that at one point were 6-1, and one, and they backed into the playoffs at 6-4. and four. One of them was Lee Davis, and they were one and done in Region 5B, losing at Henrico. And then there was Hopewell. I think the biggest surprise in that three-game losing streak going into the postseason was that they lost to Meadowbrook. There's no shame of losing to Dinwiddie. There's no shame of losing to Thomas Dale. Both of them were fantastic teams this year. And I think Hopewell's run through the Class 3 tournament is a really sterling example of what the Virginia High School League attempted to do when they did the big reclassification back in 2013 so that when you got to the postseason in all sports, you were able to play teams that were of similar size. I go back, I like to use the the Hanover reference a lot because with my own eyes in 2011 and 2012, I watched a very talented Hanover team led by the likes of Sam Rogers, now with the Los Angeles Rams, Andrew Kisner, now in the St. Louis Cardinals organization as a catcher, and tons of other great guys who won the old group AAA Division V region championship in those two years. And in those two years, in the next round, the state semifinals, in 2011, they had to go up to South County in Lorton and face a team whose school had a 1,000 more people in it. And then the next year, guess who came down in 2012 when Hanover got to host the state semis back when it was on the old rotational basis? You ever heard of Stonebridge? Yeah, the team that Highland Springs had to beat in 2015 and 16. That's who came down. And Hanover, they were down. They came back. They scored. Sam Rogers' last play as a quarterback at Hanover High School, I believe it was a fourth down and goal at the 26-yard line, and he found Dante Hainsworth in the end zone for a touchdown. It cut the margin to 28-21. And had Hanover been able to get their hands on the football just one more time, I think we would have had overnight overtime that night at Hanover. But Stonebridge was able to run out the clock and escape with the win. Another situation where the Hawks – we're playing a school that had several hundred, maybe close to a thousand more students to choose from. That was the inequity that they were trying to to get rid of when the reclassification happened. And so you got to got to remember two things. And I was thinking about this driving home last night. Number one, yesterday's state title for Hopewell even makes their 2003 championship with the Lee Bujakowski led team that much more impressive because Hopewell, as small as it is enrollment wise had to go through some major schools to win that title. They beat Massaponics in the championship. They're one of the powers of Class 5 up in the northern part of the state, just outside of Fredericksburg. Not a whole lot has changed in terms of enrollment between those two schools, even in the last 14 years. 
So number one, it makes what Hopewell did in 03 look that much more impressive. But number two, hats off. Coach Irby and company, they get into the postseason despite a three-game losing streak. They drop from a three to a four seed. So you're trying to stay out of the bracket of undefeated and first-ranked Phoebus, and you're not able to do it. So you take care of business with Southampton, blow them out in the first round, and now you got to go to the unbeaten Phantoms, who, of course, have a, a storied football history. And not only do you beat them, you hold them to six points. And again, we talked on this podcast a couple of weeks ago where after Hopewell won the region championship uh, at York, 34-6, I said I thought the most important part of that run in those two weeks was the defense for Hopewell. Giving up just six points to Phoebus, are you kidding me? And then spotting York a 6 nothing lead and shutting them out the rest of the way. Ronnie Walker cranks up. He scored six touchdowns if you count the second half of the York game and the first half of the state semi against James Monroe. They make it to Williamsburg on Sunday, and they go out to a big lead, as we figured would happen. Heritage mounted a big comeback, and then Hopewell. And uh, uh, if you haven't seen it, we retweeted it a couple of times yesterday on the RVA Sportsnet. Credit Coach Jared Jenkins on Twitter for being at the right place at the right time. He was on the field when Coach Irby called a huge pass play in the waning seconds of the game where Greg Cuffey wind up and threw it and it was caught at acrobatic catch near uh, the Heritage five-yard line to convert to get a first down and to, to end any hope for Heritage to get the ball back. Hopewell went into victory formation, won the title. A gutsy call to clinch a championship. And it was executed to perfection on a play that, that could have been Center top ten worthy of consideration and I'm so happy. Now, you know, I pastored a church in Prince George County for nine years, and, of course, Hopewell is right beside it. Hopewell and Prince George are big rivals. Uh, quite a few of the people who attended that church live in Hopewell. You know, a gentleman who went to Hopewell football games for decades. And, and I'm so thrilled for that community because I know how much this means to the city of Hopewell. So to Coach Irby, Greg Cuffey, Ronnie Walker, and if I start naming names, I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> Congratulations on, on a phenomenal postseason run that, honestly, I did not see coming. I wish I could have been prescient five weeks ago and said, yeah, Hopewell's going to get on a roll and win the state title. Man, I would have looked really good now, but I just didn't see it five weeks ago. I'm so glad they proved me wrong. So congratulations to the Blue Devils. And now we get to Highland Springs. And yesterday, it was, it's interesting, I've been to all three Highland Springs State Championship victories. We were there in 2015 at Scott Stadium for the big win over Stonebridge. We were there last year for the comeback win in the final minute over Stonebridge at Hampton U. We were back there yesterday for the matchup with Tuscarora. And I didn't know a heck of a lot about Tuscarora, so I wasn't sure what to expect out of them, but I really, really thought it could be a very tight game. And we talked on the podcast last week, the two keys to victory I felt for Highland Springs was, one, don't fall behind like they had against Hermitage and Nansman River in the previous two rounds. And number two, stay away from the penalty flags. Don't make the extra push. Don't say something after the whistle. Keep your composure. And for the most part yesterday, they did that. The only time that they had problems with it was late in the first half, up 33-6, Tuscarora driving, and a touchdown to make it a 20-point game at the half would have been critical. Uh, and there were a couple of penalties that aided Tuscarora down the field. But Billy Kemp was able to make sure that they didn't cost Highland Springs as he grabbed that big interception at the goal line just before half, returned it into Tuscarora territory. And it was 33-6 at the break, 
Tuscarora does get the two touchdowns in nine seconds on the fourth down conversion for a pass for a score. And then on the uh, ensuing drive, first pass intercepted, pick six touchdown. And we blinked, and it was 33-20, and I'm sitting there in the press box going, "Uh uh-oh. But Highland Springs showed their championship medal by driving right down the field after an onside kick failed. Player two later, Raekwon Smith gets the football, and off he runs, breaking tackles, 47 yards. That made it 40-20, to and that ended the game. The rest of the game was a mere formality of running out the clock. Tuscarora got a late score to make it 40-27, but the game was never, never really in doubt. The only moment where people went, uh, was after that pick six, because if Tuscarora had been able maybe to get an onside kick and try to get a chance to make it a one-score game, that's one thing. But for Highland Springs to come back off of those two scores and immediately score right back to make it a 20-point game, That took the life out of the Huskies. So Highland Springs became the first of four yesterday, if you can believe this. This is an unbelievable figure. And the eighth team in VHSL history to win three consecutive state championships. Now, they were the first of four of them to do it yesterday. So when we woke up Sunday morning, there were seven in the record book. When we went to bed last night, there were 11. Highland Springs won their third straight. Appomattox won their third straight in Class 2, and what an incredible story for Appomattox County High School. Twelve years ago, they they were basically completely out of football. I mean, they had a team, but they even didn't play their district schedule for a while. They kind of just found schools that they could play against. Uh, They were constantly going 1-9, 0-10, and they were at their wits' end as to how they were going to be able to save their football program. And in the ensuing decade, not only do they save it, they create a powerhouse, and now they've won three straight state championships. Congratulations to them. Westfield, and the way they did it in Class 6 is just mind-boggling, having to beat the same team three times. We thought maybe Highland Springs would have that issue, but that did not happen when Tuscarora knocked Stonebridge out in the regional final two weeks ago. Now, Highland Springs ended up having to play Tuscarora, and, of course, they got the win. But Westfield, three-time champs. Salem, when they beat Louisa last night, three times straight. And, of course, Highland Springs. So congratulations to all the teams who won. Now I want to focus on Highland Springs and head coach Lauren Johnson for a few minutes. Back in 2015, uh, in their run to their first on-field state championship ever and their first state title since they were awarded the title back in 1961, back in those days... You actually won the title based on record, et cetera, et cetera. There really wasn't a game on the field. It's kind of like the way college football used to be when I was a kid. Uh, You'd play all the New Year's Day bowl games, and then the Associated Press and UPI would come out with their polls, and some years you'd have one team on both polls, and they were undisputed champs, and some years you had two teams at number one in both polls, and they were declared quote-unquote co-champs, and it was never decided on the field until first the BCS kind of sort of figured it out and, and, and halfway solved the problem, and now the CFP completely solves the problem. I know in the sense that, you know, you go, hey, what about eight teams? What about 16 teams? Uh, let, let's face it, at least now we know we have a champion on the field. We can debate how it happens, but it's happening. But during that 2015 run, Coach Johnson and I had a very long conversation. Some of it was on the record, and most of it was off the record. And we talked a lot about the program at Highland Springs, where it had been, where it was going, and where he wanted it to go. And it had nothing to do with football. Uh, It had everything to do with how to make that program a place where boys become men, 
where men become leaders and where those leaders are able to affect a community that is in desperate need of leadership, uh, a community that really needs young African-American men to make a positive impact on their fellow brothers, on their fellow classmates, on their older brothers, their younger brothers, all of the male figures in that community. And Coach Johnson, when he got to the press conference yesterday, I believe when he when he realized he'd won three straight, he had a little bit of gravitas, and he earned it. He earned it, my friends. And so before talking about the game itself, he went into a, 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 a about a two-minute statement to where he wanted to express um, a little bit of hope, a little bit of frustration, and a whole lot of reality. And if you've not seen the post-game press conference, it's on our YouTube cha- page, on our YouTube channel. Uh, at youtube.com slash RBA Sports Network. I implore you to listen to at least, if you don't listen to the whole thing, listen to the first three and a half, four minutes of it. He'll get into the X's and O's a little bit of the game, but there are a couple of follow-up questions about his opening statement, and you need to hear what Coach Johnson had to say because we could not agree more with what head Coach Johnson said yesterday in the post-game press conference. And it is especially true in the community that he is impacting at Highland Springs, but it is also true in communities across America. And at a time where we have a lot of problems in this country uh, and we have a lot of people with a lot of opinions about why those situations are happening and we hear a lot of high-pitched voices on both ends of the political spectrum, which we don't like and don't talk about and won't talk about here, uh, but you have a lot of reasoned voices that don't get heard that are in the trenches that are day-by-day working to make sure that the next generation is prepared. And I can't think of a better example right now than Lauren Johnson at Highland Springs High School. Now, I'll be honest with you, Coach Johnson, and Coach, if you happen to listen to this, I don't know if I've told you this or not, but my daughter, who's now a junior at Longwood University, she desperately wants to be a teacher uh, at an at-risk school what is considered to be at risk. And, and I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea here of what I'm talking about because the term at risk does not equal the term African-American. Now, if you look at the stats and figures and whatnot, a lot of times they are congruent. They are together. We're certainly not going to deny that because statistics bear that out. But for anybody to be, you know, there, there are plenty of incredibly wonderful knit families in Highland Springs with a mom and a dad and kids who are going to that high school and are learning and who are making a difference and are going to be very positive members of society. And sadly, we have a lot of young men and women going to the Highland Springs and to uh, Henrico and to the Richmond City Schools and other schools in the area where there isn't a father figure. And so the football coach or the basketball coach or the gym teacher or the male math teacher or science teacher Uh, maybe the male drama theater director and teacher uh, become the de facto male authority figure and example in their life. And so you, you just don't understand the responsibilities that are placed when you are put in that situation. And my hat's off to those who choose to be in that situation. Jokingly in the press conference, and it's on YouTube, Coach was asked about the Hermitage job. And he, and he said in a much, a very serious tone, hey, it's not the first time the word hermitage has been brought up to me, and it won't be the last. And let me tell you, why would I leave 
the best football program in Henrico County. So I can guarantee you that Coach Johnson will be at practice, first day of practice. In fact, he dated it. He said come July 31st of next year, we'll be ready to go. And he should be that excited because the bulk of this championship team are underclassmen. There are a few key seniors like Justin Carey, Billy Kemp, who will be graduating, and they will be missed. But Highland Springs, if they've proven one thing in the last three years, they know how to find players talented enough to get back into the lineup and to get back to the state championship and to win. But I was just so impressed by the opening statement and the way that Coach Johnson carried himself. Bravo to you, Coach. Thank you and your staff for all you do not just in football. In fact, you know, we appreciate the football. It's been fun covering three straight state championships. That's been phenomenal. I am much more impressed and much more concerned with the outcome in life. Always has, have been, always will be. Uh, You know, we talk a lot about recruiting, and there's a lot of uh, other Twitter sources and sources on social media that really go all in on the recruiting thing. I mean, I've seen some I've seen some Twitter feeds that talk about kids who are in the 7th and 8th grade. And when it's 2017 and somebody's on Twitter pushing a 2023 point guard, I'm going to be honest with you, I ignore it and it makes my stomach churn a little bit. And I'll tell you why. Most kids who are going to graduate in the year 2023 We have no business trying to determine in 2017 whether or not they're going to play at Duke or maybe they're going to go play for Geno at UConn or maybe they're going to go play football at Tech. Are you kidding me? The class of 2023 right now would be seventh graders. Can we let them just be middle schoolers and enjoy middle school sports? And if they're in travel or AAU or whatever, let them enjoy that. But let's let's back off on the pressure that we put on these young men and women. 12, 13 years old, putting them up on Twitter, talking like how they're going to be the next LeBron. It's just, it's mind boggling to me. And we don't participate in that. People have asked us a lot, do you cover JV sports? And the answer is not really, because there's just not enough time. It's hard enough to get to all the varsity teams that we want to try to get to. Occasionally, I get to watch a JV game, especially basketball season, because I'll get to the gym while the JV game's going on before the varsity. And so occasionally, I'll get a chance to look at some players that I'm going to see in the next couple of years, and I'll take advantage of that, but you won't hear us tweet about it. We might give you the final score of the game, but we're not going to tweet about it. We'll be interested in watching those kids develop and grow, and when they come to varsity, we'll talk all about them. But you know, it comes to recruiting, back to that original point, you know, I, I, I laud and we retweet. Uh, it's gotten to the point now where most, player, most players, most kids, they just tweet out what they've been offered. Uh, and we just retweet that and congratulate them because we do congratulate them. We're happy when kids are offered opportunities at the collegiate level. We don't care also if it's D1, D2, D3, NAIA, uh, JUCO, NJCAA. If you get an opportunity to spread your wings academically and, and have an opportunity to make something in your life that maybe has never happened in, um, in your family's life before, then we are all for it, and we are behind you 100% of the way. But you know what? We're, there's a couple of things we're going to do, and I'm not going to announce them right now, uh, but we want to flood Twitter with a couple of different things on the back end of this process. And we'll work on that during the holidays, and I hopefully we'll be talking about it at length, and it will be one of our pushes for 2018 here at the RVA Sports Network. Because life is a lot more about what you do Monday through Friday when you're 35 
and 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 you have a career you have to take care of because you have a, a family to take care of or Saturday, Sunday, when you have the opportunity to be with your kids and to make an impact on their lives and be present in their lives, no matter what the situation may be. And we're, we want to celebrate how that's happened. We want to celebrate how uh, the kids that we have covered in years path, past are now becoming successful in those areas of life where it, in, it affects their family, it affects their neighborhood, it affects their community. And that's what Coach Johnson touched upon first before he ever cared about talking about the game against Tuscarora on Sunday. So if you haven't heard it, that, that press conference, you need to. YouTube.com slash RVA Sports Network. This is not a shell or for me trying to purely get you to go to our YouTube channel. 804 Varsity has his opening statement on Twitter. It's been viewed a lot of times, and I think that's fantastic. If you just want to read, listen to part of his opening statement, it's on Twitter right now at 804 Varsity. Go for it. If you want to see the follow-up questions and hear what he had to say, uh, and, and hear it more in depth, we have about 14 and a half minutes of the press conference. We didn't get the last couple of minutes of the press conference. By then, we were talking about the team exclusively. But um, if you want to see the whole thing, it's at our YouTube channel. But either way, you need to hear his words. And, and we need more leaders like Coach Johnson, uh, in, in not only in schools that are, quote, unquote, at risk, in communities that are at risk, but there are individuals at risk, and they may come from the richest family in the neighborhood, but if there's something going on in that family and they're not getting a father figure or a mother figure or they're being ignored even though the two parents are at home, we need to be there. We need to reach out because then this goes into issues such as we've talked about early this year with our uh, three-part series that appeared in the Hanover Herald Progress and also at rvasportsnetwork.com on student-athletes' depression and suicide and how it is a real and a major problem, and a work, the work by the Cameron K. Gallagher Foundation to combat teenage suicide. And sadly, we've had several this year. In spite of you know, things that, that we have done, the Gallagher Foundation has done, uh, the, the, the problem is still there, and we need to end the stigma, as the foundation likes to say. And this is all, It all ties together, fans. It all comes together. And so I apologize if you're going, you know, I, I, I love this podcast and I want to listen to it to get my sports fix. I get that. But sometimes, you know what? Sports and life intersect. And that's what happened yesterday. And it's going to happen more and more. And I hope that we positively use what the young men and women of the next generation can get out of their sports experience. Whether it ends in high school, whether it does go on to college. And for the very few who are able to go pro, that they're able to get the lessons learned so they can be better people in life. I can guarantee you there's going to be a lot of good citizens from the Louise Alliance football team because of what they've experienced with Coach Fisher here the last four months. And with that, we put a wrap on 2017's high school football season with, of course, the All-Star Game, the Big River Rivalry coming up on Saturday. All right, let's turn our attention to hoops and our latest top 10 polls here from the RBA Sports Network. Big changes in the girls' top 10 thanks to our game of the week last Tuesday night. Not a lot of changes in the boys. We'll start there. We do have two new teams in the poll. Debuting this week at number 10, the Rapids of James River, who, by the way, in a couple of hours, as we record this, gets set to host number 5, Elsie Bird, in a game that should have been played Friday night but got snowed out. They're making it up on Monday night. So the Rapids will go in as a ranked team uh, for the first time in our poll this season at number 10. Number 9 into the poll for the first time, St. Christopher's. In spite of the fact they finished second at their tournament this past weekend, Saints off to a very good start this year. 
Uh, Trinity Episcopal St. Christopher's games are going to be fun this season, and they now become the third private school team in our top ten, replacing Millwood, who drops out of the poll. Henrico also dropped out of the poll. Then the top eight stayed the same. Collegiate remains at number eight. Highland Springs at seven. George Wythe at six. We've mentioned L.C. Bird now at James River tonight. They're at five. Hopewell four. John Marshall three. Verina finally got their season started. Struggled early. Pulled away second half for a win at Patrick Henry last Tuesday night. They're at two. And Trinity Episcopal reigns again at number one. Now to the girls' poll. Brand new top ten and a brand new number one. Based on, of course, L.C. Bird's 67-52 win over Monacan. On our game of the week, back on Tuesday night, we will say that say off the top that Monikin slips from number one in our poll where they've been the first two weeks down to number five. Let me also make a quick mention for Monikin that Monikin is going to be playing now without Abby Ogich. Abby was such, uh, she was the unsung hero of the three state championship teams, uh, especially the last two. She, she had a, such a great inside presence. She'd battle for rebounds. She'd get offensive boards. She knew how to defend. She, she you know, when you know, Megan Walker got all the attention, Jaden Morris had a lot of points, and Jasmine Norman played great, and et cetera, et cetera. But uh, those, those three state titles, Abby Ogich has a, is a reason why it happened. Abby is injured. Abby is out, unfortunately. And it cost them against L.C. Bird, up, eight, up what, 28-18 at the half, and then they get Asia Alexander in foul trouble. They get Lindsay Estes in foul trouble. Abby's not in the rotation. Nicole Davis, the sophomore, she's going to be a very good player, but right now she's just getting used to the pace of the varsity game. And L.C. Bird was able to, to kind of stretch things out. They got hot from the outside. That was one thing. And they got to the free throw line. That was the other key. That helped the Skyhawks get the big push, taking the lead at the end of the third quarter and then pulling away for the win. But Monacan dropped from 1 to 5. Now the top 10. 10 stays the same. James River also 10 in girls. 9 still Mills Godwin. 8 still Verina. 7 still St. Catharines. And 6 Hopewell remains at number 6. Monacan drops to 5. Trinity Episcopal moves up 1 to 4. L.C. Bird drop up. Excuse me. Uh, boy. L.C. Bird goes up 1 to number 3. Highland Springs moves up 1 to number 2. And our new number one team, formerly at number two, the Titans of Cosby. And in case you missed the announcement late last week, in the midst of all of the snow coming down, we announced in addition to our Game of the Week schedule, our first 2018 broadcast will be on Thursday night, January the 4th, live from Cosby High School. It will be number one Cosby and number three L.C. Bird on the Game of the Week here live on the RVA Sports Network on our YouTube channel. We had several people subscribe to our YouTube channel during last week's Game of the Week broadcast. We gave them shout-outs during the game. And uh, if you want to be reminded every time that we either, A, post a new video on our YouTube channel like we did yesterday with the Highland Springs post-game press conference, or every time we go live with a Game of the Week broadcast, just subscribe by clicking the subscribe button at youtube.com slash RBA Sports Network. Very simple to do. We don't spam you. We don't send you daily emails that are mindless. The only time you'll get emails from us is when either A, we post a video, or B, we go live with the Game of the Week. So new number one in girls, it's Cosby, followed by Highland Springs, L.C. Bird, Trinity. Monacan drops to five. Hopewell, St. Catharines, Verona Mills, Godwin, James River all stay in place. Six through 10 and of course we'll post the top 10 at rbasportsnetwork.com 
Right now at rvasportsnetwork.com, you'll see the new top ten polls. You'll see the Big River Rivalry rosters, uh, the scores from Sunday State Championship games, and our game of the week schedule. Coming up later this week on rvasportsnetwork.com, it's our holiday tradition. Holiday Tournament Central. We'll have one place online where you can bookmark the link, and for the two weeks of winter break, you can come back every day and find out how your school's teams are doing in the various winter break tournaments that are going on both in and outside of the Richmond area. Several teams always go out of town. Some of them go even out of state. We had one team go out to San Diego and compete in a tournament last year. So we're in the midst of compiling all of that information and, of course, the Holiday Feast of Hoops on our, uh, on our YouTube channel, our broadcasting during those two weeks of winter break. We'll talk about that in just a second. But Holiday Tournament Central, we hope to have it live and up by Friday morning at rbasportsnetwork.com. You bookmark it. You can go back there for scores, schedules, etc. all during winter break. Whether you're in town, you get to go to some games, you go out of town with family and you can't get to games, and we're going to be able to bring a lot of the action to you over the holiday season. And with that, let's make our major broadcast announcement. It is an honor and privilege to announce that for the second consecutive year, the RVA Sports Network will provide live online radio coverage of both the championship and third place games for boys and girls at the 23rd Times Dispatch Invitational Tournament a week from Tuesday, December 19th at the Richmond Coliseum. We approached the Times Dispatch a little over a year ago about the 2016 tournament, the possibility of being able to broadcast some games. Last year, you'll recall, we did a first-round doubleheader in Hopewell, and what a night we had there. Had that triple overtime Benedictine win over Hopewell. What a night that was. Unfortunately, we had prior commitments and were not able to broadcast in round one, but we will be bringing you a quadruple header live from the Richmond Coliseum on Tuesday, December 19th, beginning at 3.30 Eastern Time. We will broadcast the girls' third-place game, followed by the boys. At 6.30, we'll have the girls' championship, and at 8.30, we'll have the boys' championship, all on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Network. Now, the tournament pairings are available on the 804 Varsity page. Let's talk briefly about the first-round matchups, first in girls, There's a top 10 matchup right off the bat in the first round. James River is hosting a first-round game for both girls and boys. And number 10, James River, will host number 6, Hopewell, in round 1 this Friday night at 6 p.m. On their side of the bracket, number 4, Trinity Episcopal, hosts Deep Run. Now, the winners of those two games play each other in a semifinal on Saturday at 3.30, And all the semifinal action on Saturday will be at Clover Hill High School. So you've got James River, Trinity Episcopal, Highland Springs, and Verina as your host schools on Friday night for the first round of the TDIT. All the day two activities and games will be Saturday at Clover Hill. And Championship Tuesday will be at the Richmond Coliseum. The other side of the girls' bracket, we've got um, number seven, St. Catharines, taking on Number two, Highland Springs, and we've got J.R. Tucker facing number one, Cosby. And that's all happening on Friday night. And the winners of those two games will square off Saturday at 5 p.m. in the other girls' semifinal, and that, too, will be at Clover Hill High School. So that's the girls' bracket. 
for the TDIT. On the boys' bracket, another Hopewell-James River matchup, this time in boys at James River, Friday at 7.30. Also at 7.30 Friday, number one Trinity Episcopal hosting Manchester. The winners of those two games square off in the semifinals Saturday night, 6.30 at Clover Hill High. On the other side of the boys' bracket, number six George Wythe goes to number seven Highland Springs. That's Friday at 7.30. Life Christian Academy will take on number two Verina at Verina, 7.30. Winners of those two games will play in the nightcap Saturday night at 8 at Clover Hill High School. Now, in case you're not familiar, you're new to the TDIT, all teams in the tournament are going to get three games. So on Tuesday at the Coliseum, we'll have seventh-place games, fifth-place games, third-place games, and championship games. So there will be eight games at the Coliseum on Tuesday. And you can get tournament ticket books right now for, I forget the price, and I don't want to say it wrong. So because I just had a brain fart, I'm not going to approximate that. But if you go to 804Varsity uh, on Twitter or 804Varsity.com, they have a special place where you can click on and get information on the Times Dispatch Tournament. I believe there are tournament ticket books that you can get or a tournament pass where you can go to all three days or there are single-day tickets available as well. And I'm I'm pretty sure, I don't think they're going to clear the Coliseum at any point. So if you bought a ticket... Tuesday morning at 8 o'clock and want to sit there and watch eight basketball games for the price of the ticket, I believe you're able uh, to do so. And we want our broadcast to be for those who are not able to make it to the Coliseum because either you're working or you're out of town for the holidays or whatever the case may be. We want you to come join us at the Coliseum. So make sure you buy your tickets and come be with us at the Times-Dispatch Invitational Tournament. On Championship Tuesday the 19th or get to the semis at Clover Hill on Saturday, And again, the first-round sites on Friday night are James River, Trinity Episcopal, Highland Springs, and Verina. We will have the tournament schedule posted on Holiday Tournament Central by Friday at rvasportsnetwork.com. But if you want to see them right now and download the PDFs of the tournament uh, pairings, uh, just go to the 804 Varsities page uh, at uh, richmond.com or you just type in 804varsity.com. And it'll take you there. And I, I want to give my th- thanks to, to Floyd and Jamie and Nicole and everyone that we've worked with at the Times-Dispatch to make this a reality uh, for the second year in a row. So RBA Sports Network quadruple header coverage from the TDIT on Championship Tuesday, December 19th, beginning with the third place girls game at 3.30 p.m. So we look very much forward to that. So that was the major broadcast announcement we wanted to get to you, and that's going to be all part of our Holiday Feast of Hoops 2017. The very next day, on the 20th, that Wednesday, we'll be live at Caroline High School for the Lady Cavs Holiday Classic. That features Caroline Powhatan, Hanover, and John Marshall. We'll be there for the third place in championship games. Coverage live on our YouTube channel at 5 p.m. Then we take a break for Christmas weekend, and then we come back for three huge days of basketball action, the 27th, 28th, and 29th. Ten games total. We'll begin with a quadruple header on Wednesday, the 27th, first-round coverage of the Henrico Holiday Hoops Tournament, our fifth consecutive year broadcasting live from Henrico High School. Our big thanks to head coach Vance Harmon, new activities director Rob Welch, and the entire staff for making us feel so welcome every year. And I believe we hit the air at 2.30 on that Wednesday afternoon. The opener is Thomasdale and Henrico. The entire tournament bracket is on our Game of the Week broadcast schedule right now at rbasportsnetwork.com. 
Com. On when, uh, Thursday, the 28th, we moved to Mechanicsville and we broadcast the third place in championship games from the Southerner Classic at Lee Davis High School, another quadruple header. And then after we come up for Oxygen, we'll be back at Henrico on Friday. We will live tweet the fifth and seventh place games. So we'll be courtside all day, but we'll broadcast the third place in championship games on that Friday evening beginning at 530 on the 29th of December. So that, let's see, four, six games the first week, four, eight, ten games the second. We've got 16 live basketball games that you can listen to and enjoy on our YouTube channel during our holiday Feast of Hoops from four different tournaments. So we hope that you'll join us live on our Game of the Week specials over the holidays at youtube.com slash RVA Sports Network. And we always embed a YouTube player when we go live at the top of rvasportsnetwork.com. So if you forget what our YouTube channel is or whatever, you haven't subscribed yet or whatever, just go to our website. You'll see the player at the top. You click on the player. Game of the Week is yours. Simple as that. So lots of things happening here over the next few weeks, and it's not just basketball fans. We had a chance to cover the Henrico County Gymnastics Quad this past week uh, on Wednesday night. Congratulations to Lee Davis on a big win in that, and to Sierra Baxter and Patrick Henry uh, for the win in the individual all-around, but a big shout-out to Elizabeth Bosley of Atley, who finished second in the all-around, just a tenth of a point behind Baxter, and Bosley is coming off being completely on the shelf her sophomore year due to a knee injury. She is back at 100% and doing great things uh, for the Atlee Gymnastics program. So congratulations to them. Uh, I don't know if we gave a shout-out to this or not in the last edition of the podcast. And while I'm thinking about it, shout-out to all the Chesterfield County swim teams who are now finally competing under the Virginia High School League banner. They had their first official VHL event two weeks ago, all of them getting together for a big county meet uh, uh, at Swim RVA. They continue regular season play, and so when we get to the postseason in swimming this year, you know, five years ago it was just the Hanover Schools, Colonial Heights, and Maggie Walker and Goochland, I believe, and now we've added a lot of Henrico schools and now a ton of Chesterfield schools, so a lot more swimming activity going on. Uh, Wrestling fans, we got to you. We got you results from the Central Virginia Classic. And uh, some big tournaments coming up. The big Lee Davis Invitational is on the way this week. Unfortunately, the Richmond Invitational at Hermitage snowed out this past weekend. That's usually one of the bigger regular season events on the wrestling calendar. Uh, And while we're doing things coming up over the weekend, we will not forget about you at the Lee Davis Invitational and others like Patrick Henry making good at the Monticello up in Charlottesville. Should have been last weekend. Uh, It'll be this weekend. We've got our eyes on you. Indoor track, we know you have begun your season and have a lot of meets to go before we get into regional action the 1st of February. And then while all of that's going on, we continue our coverage of Atlantic 10 Women's College Basketball as the road to RVA, the 2018 Atlantic 10 Women's Championship continues. It'll be March 2nd through 4th at the Richmond Coliseum. The top eight teams who survive first-round play and the buys in the uh, tournament after the regular season come to the uh, River City. And we'll be courtside on that Friday, Saturday, and Championship Sunday. And we have a special website where we keep you posted on scores, standings, and more information. And that is a10rva.blogspot.com. Again, that's a10rva.blogspot.com. Richmond struggling a little bit right now, currently 5-6. and six. VCU really young, struggling early. They're at 1-6 and six on the year. 
Uh, but I think things are going to be looking up before the regular season is done for Coach Beth O'Boyle and her team. And, boy, Richmond's a lot of fun to watch now that Alex Parson has joined Michaela Parson. Michaela, congrats to you on 1,000 career points. And uh, both Richmond and VCU are going to have some exciting league play once the league season gets started at the end of the year, New Year's Eve, a lot of Atlantic 10 play gets underway. And, of course, there's also, duh, uh, VCU and Richmond men's basketball. I know the Spiders are struggling, but got a huge win Sunday over JMU. VCU 5-5 five and five under first-year head coach Mike Rhodes, but they've had some tough ones on their schedule, including number 19 Seton Hall over the weekend. Uh, they've got Bucknell coming in on Saturday, and then Bucknell goes over to Richmond a week from Tuesday. And that's of note because Bucknell is head coached by Nathan Davis, who formerly was the head coach at Randolph-Macon. And the coach before him at Randolph-Macon was a guy by the name of Mike Rhodes. And, of course, as you know, we do a lot of Randolph-Macon basketball coverage with our work at the Hanover Herald Progress. Okay, so next Sunday, fans, speaking of the Herald Progress, we're going to make our way up to Fredericksburg when Randolph-Macon's men head up to play Mary Washington. That's going to be a 2 p.m. game. So we're going to be a little later in the evening next Sunday getting our new top 10 polls out and doing our uh, Central Region Now podcast. So it may not come up until later Sunday evening, but we don't think that's going to be a problem because most of you don't have to go to school that Monday, the 18th. You begin your first week of winter break, and congratulations to you. College people listening in. Some of you are done for the semester. Some of you are pushing through finals right now. Congrats to those who are done. For those of you in the finals right now, hang in there. Just a few days left, and you can start enjoying your holidays, too. Uh, and I believe that's everything that I wanted to cover on this edition of Central Region Now, the exclusive podcast of the RBA Sports Network. And I want to thank you for joining us. No, I had some serious topics today, and that happens occasionally, where sports and life do intersect. And our, our motto here at HCS Media LLC is sports, family, life. We're, you know, we talk more about sports than anything else, but we're concerned about your family, you, your family, our communities, and we care about how what happens in sports are the lessons we learn that impact our lives positively so we can make a positive impact on our fellow brothers and sisters in our neighborhood, right down our street, in our community, and all around the world. There's nothing wrong with ascribing to that. All right, Central Region Now, an exclusive podcast presentation of the RBA Sports Network and solely intended for the private, non-commercial use of our audience. Any rebroadcast or other use of our podcast without the express written consent of HCS Media LLC is strictly prohibited. I'm going to put this podcast up online, get it up like usual on our podcast site as well as at rbasportsnetwork.com. Send out uh, Twitter links across our Twitter network. And then I got to get my shoes on and head over to J.R. Tucker for girls basketball against Atlee tonight at 7:30. One of a lot of games going on on this Monday. Scoreboard will be up and running at rbasportsnetwork.com later tonight. And don't forget Holiday Tournament Central for all the winter break basketball action. It'll be up live by Friday morning at rbasportsnetwork.com. Rob with them saying. Happy holidays. Be safe. Thanks for joining us on Central Region Now. We'll see you on the sidelines.